Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. Certainly, um, in the online setting, we no longer have the constraint of the physical plant. And so, um, of our support capacity residentially. So, we can think of having 400,000 students or 4 million students. And my hope is that the experiences we're having during the pandemic will open up uh, these broader opportunities to reach vast quantities of learners, maybe now with the same richness and depth that we reach people in the residential experience, but that the, that the capacity of Michigan be, expands, be expanded to uh, a much bigger and more diverse audience um, with different kinds of uh, points of entry. It wasn't necessarily in the faculty's lookout to completely transform their pedagogy, uh, nor, the, nor the staff to suddenly find themselves supporting uh, hybrid learning experiences um, which we may have been experimenting with in a prototype way, but now those have become primary means of, of production. And you can take some comfort from the fact that the uh, emergency instruction from the spring was a 48-hour turnaround, and uh, that went remarkably well. Uh, we went from order of thousands of video conferences per week on campus to tens of thousands per day. Uh, I think in the, in the fall, we're going to see improvements over that experience. Uh, I think the whole, the whole deal is not fully realized yet, and that's in the, in the execution, creativity, and imagination of our faculty and, and staff in, in delivering um, pedagogy through these novel, novel modalities. Uh, so I think what we learned in the spring was how to avoid all the obvious stuff, you know, around uh, muting microphones and uh, getting their ring light in place and, uh, you know, uh, learning a lot more about video production than maybe some of us were initially planning to, uh, to learn. But I think in the, in the fall, what we'll start to see is elaboration of technique. Um, I've been in a number of sessions recently that have used the breakout rooms quite fluently. And uh, I think that's the reports I'm getting from our faculty are that that is actually maybe a more effective way of stimulating in-class discussion than, um, and having people break out into groups in a large lecture hall. Um, I've seen uh, aftermarket activity uh, around Zoom that is adding a host of interesting features, including, I mean, the one that I'm really looking for is for the presenter to actually be present in this in the shot with the slides. And then you can actually reduce the size of the presenter so I can turn and point to, to things and then I can bring in co-presenters. And so you uh, can have a real panel conversation rather than right now you're getting box by box by box and with some of these aftermarket uh, features you could actually get the appearance of, of a group of people sitting at the front of the room just like we have in the in the face-to-face -face setting. Absolutely. In the School of Information I feel like we have lived a lot of these experiences previously so you know Zoom was not new to us when the pandemic started it was something we had used regularly and in our research and instruction. And most notably, we were instrumental in the, in the decision-making around the acquisition of Zoom as an enterprise resource. So we, um, 
we recognized early on that uh, blue jeans alone was not going to be sufficient for our needs. And, and Zoom had features that were that were uh, attractive relative to the feature set of, of other other options. And uh, so uh, we lent expertise and guidance to the to the university effort um, that went into the acquisition of the of the enterprise license. And then um, we. Uh, shared with uh, with Central IT our experiences supported our own faculty and I think those were used as models for 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 generating support across other other units. I think uh, the rest of campus will benefit from the experience in the spring and uh, I'm certainly impressed by the level of ingenuity and inspiration I'm seeing demonstrated across my faculty and I assume that's true across across campus as well. I think we have to be uh, honest. The loss of many of the traditional aspects of the of the fall experience, and thinking, you know, notably, athletics will. If it if football happens, it will clearly be very different. Um, you know, what does marching band do? Um, what do ensembles do? A lot of the the shared arts experience will be will be deeply modified. Um, you know, UMS has announced a very different schedule than the ones they had been planning on offering. And, um, you know, in some cases, those will be uh, perhaps more interesting than they would have been otherwise. Um, in some cases, they'll be disappointing relative to our experience. You know, uh, certainly I've watched plenty of football games on TV and plenty in the big house. And there are certainly occasions where I'm grateful that I'm watching on TV and not in the big house. But... Uh, you know, I think those are accommodations that we will we will make, but I think those are the big things that will stand out. Yeah, well, I think the most notable change will be the the reduced density um, and the physical distancing. Um, so those will be the the uh, the obvious manifestations in our in our facilities. Um, the mandatory face coverings, uh, both inside and outside, will be another very obvious. A change and um, and because you have the health and welfare of thousands of students and uh, faculty and staff um, taking something that in most ways hasn't been undertaken in a hundred years since the 1918 uh, pandemic. So uh, that's probably the overwhelming uh, feeling, um, and therefore people are taking appropriate care and consideration given that awesome responsibility. Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.